What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Kilo Loco. And this is Iman Harut. And welcome back to another episode of the Code Passionately podcast, where we talk about everything that's relevant to mobile developers. Iman, we took a little bit of a break. We, we, yes. needed, we needed a week off. Me for technical issues, you... For, Just for working hard, because you, because you're a hard worker, work ethic, right? You did that exactly. PTO from the podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I I I, pre- I very much enjoyed that break. I'm I'm grateful for your technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, we are back here. So, um, what have you been up to in this past week, man? Uh man, I, I'm all gears going. Like I'm working a lot. Uh, I'm in learning mode again. I'm learning a lot about programming again. I usually have these spurts of like a few months. I'll just learn aggressively and then take a break. And uh, biggest new thing for me right now is that my friends found out I haven't seen any of the mafia movies. So we watched Goodfellas recently. So that was kind of cool. And they want to get me to watch Godfather and uh, Sopranos and all this stuff. So it's been good, man. I've been keeping busy. How about you? You know, Goodfellas is like a classic. I I love that movie. That's like one of my favorite movies of all time. Highly recommend that one. I hope that you liked it. Um, In regards to Godfather, I couldn't make it through. I don't know. Like it was too boring for me. So it's a long one for sure. Yeah, like I, I couldn't make it through the first like half an hour. I was like, "What is going on? This is boring." <laughs> that, that that's why we watched Goodfellas first. I haven't seen Godfather yet, but uh, I know it was in the seventies they made it, and it's a very very long movie. Goodfellas is already long. It's like two hours and fifteen twenty minutes. So yeah, man, I'm 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 waiting till the weekend to watch the Godfather. Let's just put it like that. But yeah, yeah what dude. about you, man? How's everything been with you? I know you've had a a busy week, so fill us in. Yeah, man, I was like trying to get my AC up and running in my office so I'm not sweating. I actually got it all installed. Like it's installed, it's blowing right now in case you could hear it in the background, I don't know. But um, unfortunately, it's supposed to be like a DIY type AC, but like there was so much involved. Like I had to do the electrical part. I had to do like the HVAC part where like you're connecting like copper tubing and stuff like that. I had to mount it on the wall. I had to place it outside. It was, I just don't do that type of stuff. And it was like such a learning process. Are you doing all this just so you have a quieter AC than the one that your house has built in? Yeah, well, I'm in, so I'm in my office, which is not connected to my house. And in here, it's extremely hot. So that's why I'm always sweating in all my videos during the summer. And I needed an AC so I'm not melting in here when I'm trying to do live streams or record videos or anything like that. And right now I just have hot air blowing on me right now. So it's better than no air blowing on me, but it's still not that comfortable. So had to buy more tools and those come in next week and hopefully I'll be able to fix it. I feel less sorry for you now that I know you have an office that's separate from your house. Uh, you're you're doing well for yourself, so you could deal with the AC issue a little longer. <laughs> hey, man, you have no idea how hot it gets in here. Like, one of these days, I'm going to have you over. You're going to sit in here. We're going to turn off the AC, and you're going to just see what, what it's like after 20, not even 20 minutes, five minutes. It gets hot quick. <laughs> sure, sure. I'll, I'll, co- I'll come towards the end of the year when it's not that bad. <laughs> Oh, and then it gets super cold too. So, <laughs> I, I, I could I could deal with that. I could always wear a jacket or two, so I'm good with that. Yeah, 
But yeah, yeah I, man. So so we got another episode. What are we talking about today? Yeah, so today's topic, it's about all about investing. Uh, investing as a developer. We could basically just say investing because it's the same thing as any occupation people hold. So we're just talking about how to make your money make money for you. And why and why would investing be something that's important to a mobile developer? Man, I feel like this this should be taught in schools, really. It should be important for everyone. But as a mobile developer, a lot of us are are fortunate enough to be making good money. And, you know, we don't want to blow all that, right? We want to think about the future and uh, being smart with our money. So that's kind of critical. And this is what today's topic is about. And another reason why I think it's like kind of important as a developer to kind of be aware of investing and um, just like something that you should start considering if you haven't jumped into it already, which I still haven't jumped like really deep into this. So Eman's actually going to be driving a lot of the information behind a lot of these talking points. But the reason why you're going to want to be aware of investing and um, just kind of keep some of these tips in mind is because like as a programmer, you may end up at a a company where they give you some stock in the company and then you're allowed to like, you know, do something with that stock, whether you want to hang on to it, sell it or, you know, do something else with it. So that's like another reason why, you know, it might be important for you. to. Yeah, yeah. You know. That's actually a very good point. Uh, th- those are called RSUs, restricted stock units. Uh, but we'll, we'll get into those for sure. Yep. Yep. All right. So, well, then, like, let's t- let's let's start down the different types of investing that somebody can do then. Yeah, just super briefly, because a lot of people uh, th- there are broadly speaking two different categories of investing. One is called passive investing and the other is active investing. Active investing is where you put money into something, but in order to increase the amount of money you get over time, you have to put in your own time and sweat into making that investment become more valuable. Uh, that's what all investments are, right? You're putting your money into something and you 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 give your money in exchange for something else and that something else is supposed to increase in value and then you could sell it or do whatever you want with the profits. So active investing would be like, you know, uh, what, what's a good example of some, some an active investment? Uh, buying a house that's uh, really broken down, but you plan on remodeling it and putting a lot of money into it and then selling it for profit, right? That's active because it's not just like you buy it and hold on to it. You have to put in your time to make it worth more than what you spent on it, right? Yeah, and this concept essentially applies to almost anything, right? Like you could be investing in your own career, right? I mean, that's not necessarily what we're talking about right here, but like you could be investing in a specific skill set that's going to pay out later, right? Because you could get it you know, a a job that pays super well, right? So that's the type of investing that we're kind of referring to here, where it's like, you're doing it for a specific reason. And you have a you have a like a timeline in terms of when you want to like execute and then like, make like gain your reward from that investment. Yeah, actually, that's a very good point. Like, that's the best active investment. And the most in my mind, the most strongly recommended one everyone should take because a lot of people like think like oh i want to do everything free and when they do have the resources to just invest in themselves learn rapidly and then make a lot of money sooner and i think that's a very good investment to make in yourself and the second type of investing is just the passive kind so you know this is where you buy something and you just 
it's it's more hands off. You just hold on to it, and over time, it's gonna grow and grow and grow. And in your sleep, you're making money. And this is the type of investing you is. It's like the golden cow or whatever. It's like what you should strive for ultimately, because you don't want to always be working and putting in your time into making money. You just want you know your money to make more money for you without any effort on your part. So this will be like you buy stocks, like let's say they're, they're worth $100 today, but as, as you're sleeping and over time, it grows to 200, 300, and so on and so forth, right? Yeah. So that's kind of the could, idea. You can actually say that like it depends on your, your actual strategy will determine whether um, your investment is active or passive, because you could still apply the passive um, investment into a house, right? Like um, you may not necessarily plan on flipping it. And and when when I say flipping a house, I mean like buying something that's a little bit run down, um, fixing it up for like a couple thousands of dollars and then immediately selling it. But you may want to buy a house, stay in it for a couple of years, and then it's naturally going to grow in price. And then you'll be able to actually still sell it and then um, make, um, you know, usually generally you would be able to make some type of profit off of that and, you know, apply it towards some other property. So it just kind of depends on your strategy and what your end goal is. And that's really going to determine whether something's active or passive, because you could say the same thing about stocks. Stocks can be very, um, very active if you want. You can, you know, you could be a day trader, right? That's extremely active um, and aggressive um, investment. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and uh, of course, with every investment, there's always risk. You know, there, there's, there's rarely ever a, a guaranteed uh, investment. It's, it's anything can go wrong, as, as we've seen with the pandemic last year and all the craziness. And uh, just a quick disclaimer, we're going to get into stocks initially, and then we're going to touch more on real estate after that. But before we do, you know, we're not financial disclaimer, we're not financial advisors, we're not giving anyone advice. Every everything you hear on this podcast, just research yourself and make your own decisions and consult with an expert. We're not those experts. We're just sharing information uh, we've we found. We're just too. This is our awareness episode. Just so that you're aware that something out there exists. In case you're not aware, then we're trying to bring that awareness to you. All right. Ex no exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. So so let, let's kick it off with the two two main categories of investments I think uh, is just stocks and real estate. Obviously there is millions of other kinds of things and businesses you can invest in, but broadly speaking these are the two most common categories. And uh first let's talk about a bit about stocks. So you know, stocks is you're basically just buying like a stake in a company. You become like an owner in that company. And then people who run that company try to grow it and make it more and more profitable. And as they grow it, your stocks become more valuable. And if they start failing, the opposite happens. Your stocks uh, decline in value. I think on average every year, like stocks go up like 10, 11, 12 percent. Uh, but with inflation and stuff, you, you're basically making on average six to seven percent. Um and uh, in general, uh, and you could tell tell me what you think, Kyle. But in general, I avoid buying stocks in a specific company. Like I, I won't buy like stocks in Tesla because you're putting all your eggs in one basket with that. And one great advice that uh, investors always give is you need to diversify your portfolio, which means don't spend all your money into one company, but just spread it out over 
a ton of different companies. That way, when one fails, your retirement and all your money doesn't just go with that company, right? Yeah. So I I have not invested in index funds, but what I can tell you about from what I've done my research on is that essentially what you what what happens with the index index fund, as opposed to buying. Um, individual stock, kind of like Eman said, is um, what you would do is you would go to, I don't know if they're considered brokers or what the actual term is, some type of financial consultant, right? And what what they're generally going to do is they're going to give you a variety of options that allow you to choose how aggressive or how, um, you know, uh, conservative you want to be in terms of your investment portfolio. And what they'll do is they'll put it into... Um, a specific lump of companies that average a specific amount of return and you just uh, continuously add your money into um, one or multiple of those groups and that's what index funds are um, from my understanding it's just like a group of stocks that performs a specific way and um, is um, has a different type of risk for each one of those groups so um, I do want to get into that but um, I haven't actually taken that step. And what I've done so far is I've uh, tried out apps like Robinhood, where you're able to, um, you know, buy individual stocks in specific companies and uh, not even necessarily need to um, pay for a full stock. Like so if you have something like Apple, which was like what, at like thousands of dollars at one point and you can't afford that amount. Right. Uh, what you could do is you could still spend five dollars and buy, you know, a percentage of an Apple stock uh, through the Robinhood app. And this is not like a sponsor for Robinhood. I don't know the other different apps that are available, but I think that's one of the more popular ones. And that's I just based off a of word of mouth. That's what I went with. Um, so you can buy individual stocks. Uh, that's one good way, I think, is like one good way to just kind of start out and just see how uh, the stock market works where you would um, make money, where you would lose money. And you can start off by like just investing maybe 10, 15 bucks and just see how that goes. And then you can kind of get an idea of where your 15 bucks sits. Did you make more than 15 bucks over a year? Did you make six? Now you have 16 bucks or did you lose money? Now you're at 12 bucks. Like, you know, just uh, do a little bit of research, play around with something that you're comfortable with essentially um, losing. Cause whenever you do an investment, you need to treat that money like you're just getting rid of that money. You need to forget about that money generally, unless you're going to be like doing some day trading stuff. But generally what you want to do is you want to just set it and forget it. And there's a lot I want to touch on with what you just said. So, yeah, Whoops. like what, you, what, 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 what? <laughs> there's a lot. So, first of all, yeah, you're right. You, I think you open what's called a brokerage account so that you go to Fidelity, Charles Schwab, um, Vanguard. Any of these companies will allow you to open an account. And uh, and you, we, you touched on index funds. And this is one of my favorite things with regards to the stock market. So, normally, if I had like $100, I could buy one share of Apple or I could buy one share of an index fund. And what an index fund is, it's it, imagine one stock, but that stock is made up of 100 different companies and you own like 1% of each of those companies. So let's say if I bought the one Apple stock and Apple started uh, tanking, I lost money, right? But with the index fund, a bunch, like it's 100 different companies, but just a small percent of each, if, if 10 of those companies like start 
uh, performing poorly, well, 90 of them are still doing good. So an index fund is like buying a little bit of stock in a bunch of different companies. And that's a very safe and uh, diversified approach. Really, really good. And uh, I agree with you, Kyle. Also, when you do start investing, I think uh, personally for me, it's a great idea to um, not not like try to gamble and like, you know, buy low, sell high and, and like trade every day. I think for me, it's better to just invest that money and let it go and just over 10, 20, 30 years, just see how much it grows. And there are calculators online that you can like kind of look at how things progress. But you don't want to be on that roller coaster every day where you look at your stocks and you're like, oh, my stocks went down 10, 20 percent or the next day. Oh, it's up like 20, 30 percent. I don't like that. That's that's too much stress. I just like pretending that money is gone. And, you know, in the future, I'll just look at how well it's doing and, you know, reap the benefits. Real quick uh, book recommendation. Uh, there's a book called I Will Teach You to Be Rich which is very, very good if, uh, if you're interested in learning more about stocks and investing. Excellent book on, on, this, on this topic. You're like um, the third person to recommend that one. So yeah, I'm going to have to recommend that one too, even though I haven't read it. So I'm going to get the audio book. I believe there's an Audible uh, book if you do Audible, probably whatever other reading service you have. If yes, audio books, you could probably find it on there too. Yes, yes. He rebooted his audio book like a year or two ago, and it comes with PDFs for all the graphics you might miss out on not having the physical book. Highly recommend that book. So uh, another another tip, again, it's from that book as well, is to if you're going to look, if you decide to invest in index funds, there's something called an expense ratio, which is a cut the brokerage takes basically. And what you want to do is find one that has the, a very low expense ratio. You can find some that are like 0.04, 0.05%. a pretty low one. But you can also find ones that are like 1% or 0.9%, uh, 1.2%. Those are pretty high and you're going to be paying a lot. There are, there are index funds that people kind of uh, manage for you. Like they, they decide what companies to include in the index fund. They charge even more because there's a human involved. And then there are index funds that are just kind of more random. Like they'll just take the top 500 companies on the market right now and just do that. Those are cheaper because you're not paying a human to create that stock for you. And it's also uh, more profitable over the long term because people, it's been shown, it's actually better, historically speaking, at least to just uh, invest in all the top companies versus betting on companies and hoping for the best. So that, that, I think that about covers it with index funds. There's also what you mentioned with regards to developers, that a lot of companies will give people they hire engineers in particular RSUs. These are basically stocks and they kind of, they, they kind of add it as a bonus in addition to your income. So let's say you start working at Facebook and they say your salary is 200K, but we're also going to give you $300,000 worth of stocks over the next four years. And I, 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 I haven't had these quite, um, I might have some of these details off, but basically I think the way it works is the day you join, they set aside $300,000 worth of Facebook stocks and you don't get those uh, until basically one year passes that you get one fourth of those stocks. Actually, let me rephrase that. Over the next four years, you keep getting 25% of those stocks every year. And uh, it's, it's, it's a great 
incentive, you know, uh, and a lot of people make a good money joining one of these big companies and getting RSUs. So that's yeah, something else absolutely. Like, like I, I work at a company, I work at AWS where they do something very similar. Um, they don't release a quarter, um, after the first year. Um, what they do is they do a smaller percentage. I think it's like around 5% or something like that, but essentially you have the, um, you have the stock that is taken at an average when you when you sign the contract of being hired. And I think what they do is they take like the last two months average, or at least I think that's what they did um, at AWS. And then they said, okay, um, based off of this, uh, based off of this number, the average, um, we're trying to get you to a specific number. And what we'll do is we'll say like, you're gonna get X amount of stock in order to reach that, uh, that desired total compensation number and then you get a little bit the first year then um i think you get a little bit the second year and then i think it might be released every six months after that or something like that i have to double check and see um how it's released but different companies have like different release rates and um generally that's one way that um a lot of these fang companies tend to pay their employees uh, is with stock, especially in the in the last two years of that four year contract. Yeah, so like it's obviously they don't want to give all your all the stocks right at once because you you'll just join the company, get the stocks, and leave. So it's it is a delayed reward, and it kind of aligns uh, employee incentives with the company's value. So you're more motivated to do a good job, I guess. But yeah, that's that's one great way. So there's index funds, there's RSUs or stocks that companies give to their employees. There's also the retirement accounts. So this will be something like a 401k. So the beauty of a 401k is that you huh, how do how do you explain 401ks? The 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 biggest benefit I think to 401ks is a company will match what you put into your 401k account. A 401k and before, can, before we go before we go down there, a 401k is generally some type of I don't know if it's a contract or it's it's a system that's set up that is set for your retirement that you would essentially be collecting um, after you retire. So it's like your retirement plan. Yes, you can't withdraw from your 401k. I think till you're 59 and a half years old, but I could be off on that year. If you do withdraw before that, there might be like penalties and stuff like that. So with 401ks, I think the biggest benefit is that a lot of these companies offer a match. So let's say I, I put 6% of my uh, monthly income into this retirement account. The company will say, okay, we'll match uh, however much you put up till 6%. So if I go to seven, they won't match that, that extra percent, but they'll double anything I put in up to 6%, stuff like that. So immediately you're 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 already making a huge profit because the company is doubling whatever you put in or it's not always double but whatever they're matching it to some extent and the other uh benefit the drawback actually is that it's pre-tax dollars so it's i don't know if, if this is exactly a drawback but basically it's not post-tax dollars so before you pay your taxes, a percentage of that money goes into the 401k, then you pay all the taxes. What this means is that in the future, when you finally want to withdraw that money from your 401k, because you never paid taxes on that money, uh, you're going to have to pay it at the time you withdraw it during your retirement. 
Did that make and sense? The and the reason why, yeah. So the reason why this would be a drawback, as E-Man was alluding to, is because if you were to pay taxes on that money now, um, then essentially you would have you would you would theoretically be able to pull the money out without having to pay tax on it later. And the benefit there is that generally taxes do tend to increase, and um, you know, especially with uh, with uh, the way that inflation works too you're also going to be um, receiving kind of like a lesser amount than um, than what you would have received had they taken out the taxes um, ahead of time. Yeah, either you pay the taxes to, well, if you have a Roth 401k, you could pay the taxes today. And then uh, in the future, when you withdraw it, you don't pay any taxes. But if you don't pay the taxes today, you get to invest more of that money into your 401k today. But in the future, when you withdraw, you pay the taxes. The The advantage to, I guess, paying the taxes in the future is if you're not working in the future, like literally your income zero, and then you're withdrawing money from your 401k, you're going to be in a lower tax bracket. So you're going to be paying less taxes in the future, theoretically. But that, you know, no one really knows how things will play out. But that's that's some of the idea that people have. Now, this is the part where you definitely want to consult somebody, so financial advisor. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All of this is it's like you know, it, there's always risk, and we're not giving advice or guarantees. And then the, there's a Roth. Uh, what is it? Roth IRA. So this is a different kind of investment account. This is actually one of my favorite things ever it's basically an investment account and you could only invest a certain amount every year and you'd have to look at how much you can invest if you make too much money like if, if your income is very high then you can't even put money into a Roth IRA so make sure you're, you actually qualify but basically let's say uh, this year I decide to put six thousand dollars in my Roth IRA account it's just like a bank account I put the money in and it's just sitting there it's not doing anything but what I can do now is with that $6,000, uh, I could invest it in different stocks or index funds or whatever. And as, the, as those uh, stocks increase in value, I don't have to pay taxes on that money. So let me give an example so people can kind of follow. Every, every year for me, let's say I could only invest $6,000 into my Roth IRA. And then I, invest, I put the money in the account and then I invest it in Tesla. And Tesla goes from uh, my Tesla stocks go from six thousand to seven thousand over a few years. Cool, I made one thousand dollars profit. That one thousand dollar profit, I don't if in the future when I'm old enough to withdraw it without any penalties. That one thousand dollars, I don't have to pay any taxes on. It's pure profit straight into my uh, pocket. Now, another cool thing is over time. Like let's say you keep putting six thousand every year. All that money you're putting in, you could always withdraw back out, you, but you can't withdraw any profits you make. Does that make sense? So let's yeah, say I, I think you broke it down pretty well. I think uh, like your example definitely makes sense. So you can you can do other stuff with this money. You can invest it, and then you can pull your money back out if needed. There may be penalties on it too, um, but you can pull it back out. But you can't pull any potential. Um, profits from from that money yeah if, if you're pulling state yeah if you're pulling the money you put in you're you're good but if you pull any money above that like profits you've made then you're 
you're, you're going to hit penalties and have issues. So be careful with that. But it's one of the best uh, uh, accounts you can think about opening up. I, I, I think it's an amazing thing, a, a vehicle to getting to your retirement. There was, I think there was one more thing I wanted to add on Roth IRAs. Oh, there, there's something called the backdoor Roth IRA. We're not going to go into that this episode, but just be aware it's something that exists. Research it yourself, decide if it's right for you. But it's basically a way for people who earn too much income and they're disqualified from investing in a Roth IRA. A backdoor Roth IRA is a way to still get a Roth IRA and kind of go around that limitation. So, but again, this is something that it's just out of the scope of this episode. Just looking at yourself. Uh, we could talk about, I think we should leave real estate to a part two of this episode. Uh, there's one last thing I wanted to talk about and that's, uh, what was it? HSAs, health savings accounts. So some uh, employers offer what's called an HSA. So it's, it's, it's another account, just like a Roth IRA. Like it's just a bank account you could put money into. But again, there are a lot of restrictions on what you can and can't do, how, when you could take money out and all this stuff. But basically, if you have a certain kind of health insurance plan that allows you to open an HSA account, uh, then you can open that HSA account. And the benefit of that HSA account is your money. Oh, man, this is terrible. I, I'm actually <laughs> blanking out on what, what the HSA is. Uh, yeah, I, so I, like the HSA, like... Um... Cause I had one at one time and I didn't really use it, but, um, like the, the general idea is that, uh, if you if your company sets it up for you and I don't know if you could, you could probably do it yourself, but, um, I'm going to assume that you're working at a company and they set it up for you. When you have a HSA, what happens is that your money is pulled from your paycheck, um, before tax, I believe. And then it's go, and then it goes into that HSA account. So it's untaxed money that goes into your uh, HSA account that can be applied towards a number of different medical um, like uh, scenarios, I guess. So let's say that you needed to go to the doctor, and um, you know they, and you have like a thousand dollars in your HSA account. Um, if there was like some type of copay that you needed to pay, you could technically pull that money out through the HSA and pay like uh, whatever the, the, the amount due is. So it's like the idea here is that whenever you need medical treatment, theoretically, the HSA is supposed to pay for that so that it's not coming out of your own wallet and it's not taxed. So that's kind of the idea be behind a HSA. And then they give you like a list of different uh, different uh, things that are covered under HSA and what you can actually use for it. Um, does that sound about right, Eamon? Because I, like I said, I didn't use it, but that's kind of what I remember about it. Yeah, yeah. Th this is this is actually my bad because I didn't uh, include this in our show notes today, but it, it just occurred to me. I'm like, oh yeah, this is another thing that people can take advantage of. But yeah, that sounds about right. But again, like do your own research because we might uh, don't hold us to this. We're 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 trying we're kind of like trying to recall this from memory. But yes, you could spend the money you put in an HSA account on medical expenses, and there were some advantages to putting that money in a in a HSA account. I just don't remember exactly what those advantages were, but I imagine it has to do with taxes and all this stuff and growing your money. And another big advantage of it is it's, uh, let's say I put a, a few grand in my HSA this year, and then I quit 
my job and leave, I, that account is mine. I, I, it's not tied to my employer or anything. I could take that account and, uh, you know, uh, manage it under any company that I, I, I wish to manage it under. The, the drawback to HSAs is you need an, a health insurance plan that has a very high deductible, which means if something happens to you, the insurance doesn't really fully kick in until you spend like, I don't know, five grand or something, some high amount on your out-of-pocket expenses, and then the insurance covers you. But if, you, if you're young and you feel risky and you want to get an insurance plan like that, you could also uh, take advantage of HSAs. It's a great thing for some people, and, and I thought I would just mention it in passing. So I know uh, we said real estate, but we'll leave that to another episode. But just to quickly recap, uh, if you join a big company, they'll give you RSUs uh, sometimes, and that's basically stocks they give you that are delayed, but you they vest over a few years or so. And you could also do index funds, which is basically a stock that's very diversified and uh, lower risk than just buying one company's stock. And yeah, uh, Roth IRAs, 401ks, these are retirement accounts. They're more, you know, obviously future oriented, but there's amazing advantages, both tax wise and company matches and all of that. So these are things that are pretty good to check out and, and look into for yourself. Are Absolutely. we missing anything? Is there anything you wanted to add? So, so there is one thing that I want to add, and it's kind of a bigger topic, but it aligns a lot with what we have already talked about, and that's crypto, right? And the reason why I think crypto is a, a, a really important thing to bring up during this specific episode as opposed to putting it off, and we can definitely spend a whole nother episode on crypto, clearly, right? Um, but... Uh, the reason why I think that it's important that we bring up crypto is because some companies, some of these more advanced companies uh, that are more forward looking are now um, offering crypto as a way to pay. Um, maybe uh, they don't have stock. Maybe they're not like a, a publicly traded company. And what they'll do is they'll pay you in uh, cryptocurrency. I've seen that happen. It's mostly it's mostly with companies where they're developing their own cryptocurrency or something like that, or they're heavily involved in cryptocurrency. So just be aware that crypto is another um, it's it's another thing that you can invest in that is very similar to everything that we talked about in regards to stock. And um, the, the thing that you need to understand here is that with cryptocurrency, first of all, it's not um usually backed by a whole entire company it's based off of entire ideas and what is written onto a white of what's called a white paper uh and um you know it's very it's a very volatile market which means that you know something can shoot up and something can shoot straight back down and you can make a lot of money doing it or you could lose a lot of money doing it so um if you're interested in us covering maybe something a little bit more in depth in regards to crypto and investment and maybe even from a, a programming perspective because you can like code what are called smart contracts we can uh we can also do uh an episode on something like that anything you wanted to add in there Eman? uh you you pretty much hit the nail on the head it's a very volatile and uh you know one day you might it might be skyrocketing the next day it loses half its value so there's a lot of that but yeah it is an exciting space it's i think there's a big future in crypto uh, i i'm personally invested in crypto but yeah like like you said it, it's very risky and it's a very new space i feel like it's like the internet you know like very early on like no one 
could quite foresee how huge it'll be and how transformative it'll be to society. And I think there's going to be a lot of people, already a lot of people who've become billionaires and millionaires from cryptocurrencies and a lot of people who've gone broke from it too. So be very cautious with that. It's 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 a quite an exciting but dangerous uh, place to be. Exactly. Yeah. But I think yeah. that's pretty much everything that we wanted to cover in this episode. Uh, we didn't have any um, audience feedback in regards to this episode. It's just like, there's so many different avenues that we could go down. But if you're interested in hearing a little bit more about investing as a programmer, uh, mobile de developer, whatever, if you're if you're interested in us talking more about crypto, real estate, anything, right, then let us know uh, on Twitter and we will definitely put together another uh, another show where we can talk about a, a little bit more about this so that you can start expanding uh expanding like your knowledge about different ways to invest because once you start making that programmer money oh boy you don't want to spend it all on nothingness <laughs> mm -hmm. exactly all right so I, I guess we'll 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 start signing off uh so kyle just quickly share share your twitter where, where people can reach you at yep you can hit me up on twitter i am at kilo underscore loco that's at k-i-l-o underscore l-o-c-o and eman yes i'm at eman harut e-m-a-n-h-a-r-o-u-t all right so that does it for another episode of the code passionately podcast thank you all for listening or watching and make sure you go out there and you keep coding passionately <laughs>